Welcome to tonight's Tanya class. We are in the last section of Tanya called Kuntus Rachrein, and we're holding chapter 8, Perikhes, and it's a very beautiful chapter, as all the chapters in Tanya are beautiful, but tonight we're going to learn about um, an important idea, and that is as follows. We all would love to be in love with who? With Hashem. That's the best possible loving relation that one can have, is to have real love for Hashem. So um, tonight in the, this chapter, chapter the eighth chapter of Tanya, the author is going to show us how we can attain a revealed love for Hashem. In other words, we all deep down love Hashem. Who doesn't love Hashem? We all love Hashem. But in order to be to be revealed, that you feel it, that it's alive, and the love is flowing, and you're excited about the love, and it's palpable. You know, so you can feel it, you can touch it, and you're engaged with the love. So. This chapter, the author is going to teach us how we can create that love for Hashem in a revealed way. And the, just in general, as I always say, there's a theme to the chapter. And again, there's always obviously many, but the theme for tonight is that when a person prays leisurely, which means slowly, and with the proper meditation, you can develop a revealed love for Hashem. So that's the theme for tonight. You play slowly, Leisurely, with the proper kavanah, with the proper intention, you can develop a revealed love for Hashem. So it's a very, very important chapter, because again, we all want to love Hashem, and now at least we'll have tools and know how to go about doing it. So it's interesting is that the author which starts off the chapter with a little criticism, and criticism based on feedback that he heard that in this community, whichever the community was, that it was a chazan, someone that led the service would with Davin slow, they wouldn't let him Davin again. Because he went up to do the prayer service and he was, you know, going too slow of a pace, they wouldn't let him Davin again. They wouldn't let him leave, leave, the service, leave the service. He could Davin, but he couldn't leave the service. They wanted people that went walked in, put it into, you know, 100 miles per hour, turn the pages, okay, it's over, where's the Kiddush? That's what they liked. They didn't like the guy that made them late for the Kiddush. They wanted, you know, to Davin slowly, word for word, with the proper Kabanot, etc. And they wouldn't let... So obviously, you know, we know the Alter was a holy man, so things got back to him, and he heard about it. So he said, it's, I'm not happy with the news that I received that you're not letting people uh, daven like that. Now, you can give criticism, but here you're going to see the Alter explains why it's not because God is trying to criticize people, but he's trying to show them what they're really missing out on and what they're giving up. So this is a whole different level. This is not called criticism. This is called teaching. Obviously, he starts off a little on the rough side, saying, I, did, you know, I hear this terrible news. I'm not happy about it. Fine. He got your attention. And the author explains like this. He says as follows. That when a person prays leisurely, I mean slowly, you say the words, you meditate, you think about what you're saying. So it creates life and long life. You know, they have today all these longevity clinics. It costs a fortune. They work. They don't work. Insurance pays, doesn't pay. Guess what? This is free. And this works. Sit and daven every day. Slowly have the proper kavanot. You'll have life, but you'll live. You'll be living when you're living. And you'll have long life. So it's like a home run. Now, so the altruist is like this. So let's say you go ahead and you pray slowly and you have kavanah. It will create life for you, and it will create long life. Now, if there's a chazin, we know a chazan, the, the shliach tzibur, the one that leads the service, what's his job? What's the job of the shliach tzibur? Simple halacha. His job is, for all the people 
that know how to daven or even don't know how to daven, he prays on their behalf. So if the shliach tzibur davens slowly, what happens when a person davens leisurely and with kavana? You live, and you live a long life. But if he's a shliach tzibur, guess what? And you're in that minion, boom. He's, everyone gets the prize. Everyone gets the prize. So the author was explaining very, very simple, that if the shliach tzibur goes ahead and davens leisurely and with kavana, the whole community is going to live and live a, live a long life. And we all know, the author brings this from the Talmud. The Talmud says there are three things that cause a person to live a long life. Three things. One of them is that a person sits by the table for a long time. That gives you long life. Now, one of the reasons is because if you sit by your table for a long time, poor people can come, you can feed them. It means the table's always, there's always food on the table. You can take care of it. So the longer you're sitting by the table, the more you can invite people. It's not like a two-minute meal. They can come, like, right, and they come and eat. Other one is uh, sitting in the restroom for a while. It allows you to clean yourself out. But in the third, which is what, what's important to us, is that when a person prays leisurely with kavanah, that will give you a long life. So the author was saying, what are you doing? When you when you take and telling the guy he can't lead the service, you're causing everyone not to lack, to not have the opportunity to live a long and great life. So the author says, one second, I understand you. You're in a rush. You're in a rush. You came to shul, whether it's during the week, you have to go to work or whatever. You're in a rush. Now, what's your concern? If the dav, the chazan, the one leading the service, daven slowly and you're in a rush, you're going to have to leave early. That means you're going to have to leave in the middle of the service, so you're going to miss out kedusha, which you need to say with a minyan. You're going to miss out baruchu, you're going to miss out the repeating of the shmonesrei, and if you have to leave early, guess what? You're going to miss out all the important parts of the service that you would like to answer to. And the altar says like this, coming from the altar and we know the altar is not only a, a mystical leader, but he's a halachic leader, and he says like this, it's better in that case... Let the daven, chazan daven slowly, and you leave early, and you'll miss Kedusha, you'll miss Baruch Hu. The author was saying this. Why? Why? The is very simple. Because when the chazan daven slowly, uh, we know it's a, right away it's a home run. He and the community will have a life, and a long life. That's right away great. What are you concerned about? That you're leaving and you're going to miss Kedusha and Baruch So the author says, guess what? Why are you leaving? Because you don't like davening. Obviously, you have to go. You have to go. Whatever the have to, the reason is. You have to go to a doctor's appointment. You have to go to work. Whatever the reason is. So you go under the category of an oinus. You're not doing it because you want to leave shul early. You have no choice. So what happens is because you're an oinus, you're being forced to leave. Whatever's forcing you to leave... So then, I'll say it in Hebrew, and I'll translate, if somebody has to daven, and they don't have time, they have to run, and for whatever reason, you're exempt. Not only are you exempt, but if you have a good chazen, I don't mean a good chazen with a good voice, but a chazen that has in mind everyone in the community, guess what? He will, exempt, he will include you in his prayers. That's the job of a chazan. That when he's praying, he's having everybody in mind, and he'll include you in his prayers. Obviously, it's best that you participate. If you can't participate, he'll include you. And as the author quotes, there's a famous story in the Talmud that, um, and it's not, this is not a new thing, 
that they call them the people from the fields. Like, for example, let's say there are people that live on the fields. They have to take care of the farm, and they have jobs to do. People that, you know, uh, day workers. They can't sit uh, in shul for two, three hours on a Monday morning or Tuesday morning, or etc. They have to get up early. They have to go to work. So what happens? They're not, they, they can't. So then the answer is, the Talmud says, that the, that the people in the shul have them in mind. The chazan has them in mind. And it's as if they davened. It's as if they davened. And they're exempt through the prayers of the community. So therefore the altar was saying, relax. You have to rush. You have to leave. You're going to miss Kedushan Baruch Hu. It's, it's, it, there's a precedent. You're not the first one. And the chazan will have you in mind. But don't ruin something which is, which is gold. The chazan davening slowly and the community davening slowly and having kavanah, that brings life to everyone in the community. You have to leave, so leave. And it's not like you're going to miss out. Yeah, sure, you're not there. But it will be as if you were there. And the author continues on, he says like this. In the times of the Mishnah and the Talmud, so we all know that the people studied Mishnah, Talmud, they studied Torah, that was their life. I mean, he used the example 24-7. I mean, obviously they took a break because they had to eat, they had to take care of their family, but 24-7 the mind was on learning. Mishnah, Talmud, commentaries. So the answer is, even then... When in the time of Mishnah, when they were writing the Mishnah, they were composing the Talmud, the Mishnaic and the Talmudic times, they still stuck, they still prayed very, very slowly. Even then, when there was their connection to God was through Mishnah and Talmud and Chumash and other studies, but nevertheless, they still studied very, very they still prayed very, very slowly. So the Atrava says, now, we know it's not the time when people sit and study 24-7. People are busy with other stuff. Now the main avoider, and the author quotes from Rukhain Vital, that says the main avoider today, do we connect Hashem is in prayer. So if today the main avoider is prayer, how much more so do you have to dive in slowly and leisurely and have the proper kavanot? That's the main avoider today. So, Again, so so far the author brings out a few points. Point number one is, before we go on to the next level, is that praying leisurely with kavana literally gives you life. Gives you life. The second issue he brings out, that today this is our voda. This is our voda today to pray. And this is our voda, we should obviously pray slowly. But now, the author is going to come out and, and take it on a whole new level, and he says, and he says like this, that when a person prays, leisurely, and with kavanah, the author says this is possibly, not only possibly, he says this is actually a biblical commandment. And you're going to say, where's the biblical commandment? Because we all know prayer is optional. You have to pray if you're going through a tough time. If you're in a sorry, you have to pray to Hashem. But where, where is the biblical obligation to pray? And not only are you saying that praying slowly and with kavanah is, is a biblical obligation. The author explains like this. Because when a person prays slowly, and with kavana, what happens is that allows you to, me- to meditate. And what happens when you meditate on Hashem, that will create love and awe. And that will, that will give you a tremendous love for Hashem and you'll have an awe for Hashem. And as, the, when, as you pray leisurely, and what you're praying about Hashem, and you meditate on it, that will give you love for Hashem. And because it's going to give you love for Hashem, Guess what's going to happen now? You're going to fulfill the biblical obligation of loving Hashem. And let me, let, let, we'll go through it. Now, Alter explains like this. 
What happens when you pray? If you ever look at the prayer, I mean, we all we have a look. We all look at the prayer when you pray. So there's different parts of the prayer service. Let's take the Shachar's prayer service. So the Shachar's prayer service starts off with blessings that you, you know, with different blessings that we make, Kabanot of the temple, the sacrifice, the building. The actual prayer service starts, how you do, where we start the service, is called Psuki de Zimra. Psuki de Zimra. What's Psuki de Zimra? That's the part, the verses that we praise Hashem. Psuki de Zimra. What does it mean we praise Hashem? You read, it's, a, it's beautiful. If you read it in this little translation, you're praising Hashem for what? Hashem created this, He created that, the heavens and the earth and the trees and the vegetation and the rain and, the, and the, all the beautiful things Hashem created. Now, if you read it and you think about it and you're really sincere and you connect to the fact that Hashem created all the stuff, and all the things Hashem created, guess what? If Hashem didn't create them, what would we eat? Hello, we wouldn't be here. What would we drink? Right? How, what kind of, how would we get our clothing? Everything. So everything really comes from Hashem. So the purpose of the Pesuk and the Zimra is to develop feelings for Hashem. It's a warm-up. It's to develop the feelings for Hashem. Then, when we finish Pesuk and the Zimra, so we go to the next section, which is Shema. But before we get to the Shema itself, we have two blessings beforehand. What are the two blessings? Yoytzeroyer and Avasoylam. What does it speak about there? Again, about Hashem. Hashem created the light, He created the darkness, that we love Hashem, and He gave us a Torah. All the beautiful things that warm you up to what? To the peak that when you get to Shema, what do you say? The Ahavta. If you don't have the introduction, of the Psuki de Zimra, where you're praising Hashem, and you don't have the introduction of the blessings before the Shema, you're never going to get to Bahafta. How are you going to love Hashem if you don't know anything about Him? How, do you gonna, how are you going to have a love for Hashem if you didn't develop a feeling for Hashem? Mm. It takes a while to develop the feeling. So the Psuki de Zimra and the blessings before the Shema is to develop the feeling of love so that when you say the Ahafta, wow, you really feel the Ahafta. Now, why is it so important to have the Bahafta? The Shema says, Because what happens is like this. When you have the Bahafta, when you love Hashem, what happens when you finish davening? That's it? Day's over? No. Now you have to go do the mitzvot. And how many mitzvot are there? Besides the fact there's the 613 total, there's 365 negative, but there's 248 positive mitzvot. What's the driving force that causes you to do the mitzvot, but do it with passion? The Ahafta. Without the Ahafta, you can't do the mitzvot. You can't do it, you can't do it with feeling, and with, you know, with, in a real way that you're going to be excited about it. So the Ahafta brings you to do the 248 positive mitzvot. And actually the Rambam writes, that in order to fulfill them, and fulfill them in a strong way, you need to have the Ahafta. So... The way it works is that you start off Sukkot Zimra, you praise Hashem, you do the blessings before Shema, then you get to Vahafta, then you're really in love with Hashem. So the A, the love now is real, because it's based on serious meditation, and it will also cause you to do what? All the mitzvot. Now, so therefore, based on this, the Alter says very simple. Let's look at the biblical commandment. God says, Vahafta, you should love God. It's a biblical commandment. God says, love God. So the author says, very simple. How can, you, how can you tell someone love God? What does it mean, tell you love God? Either I love him or I don't love him. 
So if you love if you love God, do you need a commandment? No, and the commandment won't help you. And if you don't have the love for God, how's the commandment helping you? Commandment means when Hashem says do something, right? Take take any mitzvah. Hashem says do do this mitzvah. So you have to go ahead and prepare and do it. You have to do the mitzvah. It's a physical. Go do it. Via hafta means I should go love Hashem. Before I didn't love him, now I'm going to love him. So if, if I loved him anyway, so what's the, what, what's the commandment helping me? And if, I, and, if, and, if I, and if I didn't love him, how am I going to start loving him? So therefore the altruist says very, very simple. The commandment is to vahafta. No, so how do you vahafta? So in order to vahafta, the way to get there, you have to pray. Psukkah the Zimra, the blessing before Shema. Pray slowly, meditate, and that will cause you to vahafta. So in other words... The biblical commandment, the only way you can get to it is, by, is by, by praying leisurely and what? And with meditation. So in other words, the author is proving his point that praying leisurely and with meditation is not an option. It's not like, fine, Sam, I'm going to pray slowly. What do you mean? No, you have to pray slowly and you got to meditate to get to Vahafta. Otherwise, you're going to run through the prayer service, you're going to come to Vahafta. Uh, what did it do to you? Nothing. If the Vahafta is not jumping, like they, they plugged you in with a heart monitor, and they don't see your heart going up and down and you're saying Vahafta, guess what? Go redo the service again. Think about it. Vahafta, Vahafta. Exactly. Exactly. You got it? Okay. So in other words, the, the, biblical, the biblical commander of Vahafta, that's the, 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 the nuts and bolts and the instructions how to fulfill that commandment is through praying leisurely and with meditation. Because what does that do? That does very, very simple. We all have within us, there's no question, inside us, we all love Hashem. You ask any Jew, do you love Hashem? Sure, I love Hashem. No, how come you don't, how come you're not really in love with Him? And the answer is very simple. We know there's the hidden love we all have for Hashem. But then there's the revealed love. So our job through prayer is to take what's <laughs> hidden within us and make it revealed. To take the love that we have for Hashem that's within us and make it revealed. That's all what in reference to the, to the godly soul. But not only the godly soul, you want that the your nefesh your soul that gives you life, should also feel the love. And the author quotes from the Magad of Mizrish, it says like this, that the, the commandment of the Yahafta, again, is about the meditation. And he explains it, it's very simple. How does it work? Now, it's a beautiful meditation. Think about the verse Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael is telling, what is it telling Shema Yisrael? Hear what? Hear O Lord. What? Lord is what? Hear all Israel, Lord is what? So the Shema Yisrael is telling you not something else. No. You're saying something. No. Shema Yisrael means, what does Shema mean? Listen. Listen. Stop right there. So what does Shema mean? Listen. Listen to what? Listen to exactly that. Whatever you're saying, listen to it. You're reading Pesukah the Zimra? Listen to it. You're reading the blessing? Listen to it. So Shema Yisrael means meditate. Yisrael, Jew, as Shema, listen to what you're saying. Meditate. What are you going to meditate? That Hashem Elokeinu, the infinite God is our God, Hashem Echad. And as we meditate on the Pesukah the Zimra, and we meditate on the blessing before Shema. And now we start meditating on the fact that the infinite God, infinite God, this infinite God is my God. 
And this Hashem, this infinite God, is Echad, is really, really one. And we know the definition of Echad means that what? That's the only, the only really thing that exists. There's not, Echad means oneness. So if you have a book, you have another book. You have a chair, there's another chair. It's not the only chair. Echad means it's the only thing that exists. So when you meditate on the fact that the only thing that exists is Hashem, then you will come to the next word, verse, which is V'yahavta. So if you do the Shema, pay attention, meditate, on Hashem al Hashem you're going to come by Hafta. If when you come to Hafta, you're not jumping for Hashem, you got to go back. As a matter of fact, according to Jewish law, the only verse in the whole prayer that if you didn't have the proper command, you have to go back and do it again, Shema Yisrael. Why? It's very simple, because how can you go to Hafta and you don't have the Hafta? You're not feeling it. Obviously, you missed something, so go back and redo it. And when you go back and redo it, you'll start feeling the love. And then when you say, we have to, oh, something, something's going to change. Now, again, on the inner love that we have for Hashem, we all love Hashem. There's no reason to command you in that, because you love Hashem. We're talking about the revealed love, that the commandment is that you should take the one that's the part that's, re- that's concealed and make it revealed. That's in terms of your godly soul. And the second part is that in the natural soul, you should feel the love both in a concealed way and a revealed way, because the natural soul doesn't feel even the concealed love. Only the godly soul feels it. So that's another major point Dr. gives in this chapter. By fulfilling the meditation in prayer and praying slowly, leisurely, having proper kavanot, we are literally fulfilling the commandment of the Yahafta, which is very powerful. Now, the author goes on to another level, and he says like this. <clears throat> what happens is, when we pray, and we pray slowly, and we have the proper kavanot, so what happens is, we go from a place where we just had the love within, and now we have the love from without also, now we're excited about Hashem. So now we start doing something which is important while we're here in this world. It's called elevating the holy sparks. There's holy sparks all over the world. And when we pray with kavanah, we think, we do slowly, we elevate the holy sparks of prayer. How do we do that? Because we know there's two terms in Kabbalah, which is called iskafia and ishabcha. What is iskafia and ishabcha? Iskafia means like this. Anytime you want to do something you shouldn't be doing, or you don't do something that you want to do, which you really should not do, and you best refrain. You know, whether you, you want to think about something, you stop thinking about it. You're not transformed, you just stop thinking about it. Or you want to say something, and you don't say it. Or you want to do something, and you don't do it. That's inappropriate, obviously. That's called a scafia. So in other words, I'm resisting, but guess what? That's called beer and its tzot. That's elevating the spark, because the spark is ready to totally get all over the place. And how do you elevate the spark? By resisting. You want to start wandering in your mind where you shouldn't be wandering? I'm not going there. Not easy. But that's called the skafia. You wanted to say something you shouldn't say? You know, I'm not saying it. That's all the skafia. You want to go ahead... And do something you shouldn't do, it's called a skafia. A skafia means a power of restraint. A very important spiritual muscle. Then there's something called a shabcha. 
is Habcha means not only am I not going to think that, or I'm not going to say that, or I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to do the opposite. Not only am I not going to think something negative, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to think something positive. I'm going to think something happy. That's just how, it's a whole different level. First level is like, okay, fine, I'm not going there. Second level is no, no, you're not going there, but guess what? We're going to be happy. We're going to, we're going to learn more Torah now. We're going to pray more. We're going to do another mitzvah. Or you know what? I was going to say something not nice, but instead I'm going to give a, the person a beautiful compliment. You know, you know, that, you know what that's going against your grain? Not only didn't you say it, but you actually said something nice. Not only didn't you give the person some kind of heavy criticism that you wanted to say, but instead you, give them the, you find the most amazing compliment. That's called this hapcha. Not only aren't you going to do something negative, but you're actually going to do something positive right now. That's called this hapcha. What happens when you do that? Who does that? We know that we have within us, we have a godly soul, or we have the animal soul. In all the cases when you're practicing Iskafi and Ishabcha, who's, who's practicing it? Only half of you. The whole you is practicing it. That means your Nefesh your soul that gives you life force, is also practicing it. So as you practice Iskafi and Ishabcha, you know what happens? You're transforming your Nefesh HaChayunus into a Nefesh HaLakis. Now, think about one of the hardest things to do spiritually. The hardest things to do, one of the hardest things to do spiritually is to pray. It is. One of the hardest things to do spiritually is to pray. And not only that, it's double as hard to pray slowly. And it's triple as hard to pray with Kavana. Think about it. The Talmud says that there's one of the, one of the things that's impossible every single day we struggle with, every single day, is to have proper Kavana and prayer. So it's triple as hard. There's three issues. One is to stop and pray. Second is to pray slowly. And the third is what? To pray with Kavana. So you have three things going against you. So on the other hand, we know when there's three things that possibly can go against you and you hit a home run when bases are loaded, that's a real home run. What's it called? You bring in all the players. Grand slam. Grand slam. That's a grand slam. Exactly. Grand slam is when you actually pray, pray with kavana, and pray slowly. That's a grand slam. Or it's a breakfast at Denny's. It's one or <laughs> That's a grand slam. Why? Because look what you have to overcome. You have to overcome your Yetzirah. I'm actually praying right now. Slowly, forget about it. Kavana, not even a question. And you're able to do Iskafia and Hisabcha, you just now elevated some heavy, heavy, heavy sparks. Heavy sparks you elevated. Powerful stuff, prayer. Yes. We all, as hard as the thing is, that's the greater reward we have. Now, so again, so beer and Itzutis means, so far we just learned, the mere fact that you're praying, and you're praying slowly, and you're praying with proper kavana, and we know how hard it is, torture possibly, and you do it, you know how many sparks just elevated? And sometimes a lot of sparks. The more the resistance, the more the sparks. But now the author takes it a step further, and he says like this, we know, how do we live? How do we live? So we know that we have blood. The bl- and we know the blood is the soul, and it's also part of our, uh, is the life of the person. Now, that's who we are, right? A human being is blood. That's who he is. God forbid you lose your blood, you're finished. Where does the blood 
get energy and renewed energy every single day? From you, oxygen, you eat, you drink. So a person is made up of new food and new drink that a person consumes every single day. Let's say, for example, and you're wearing clothing, right? You'll wear clothing, whatever, it depends, whatever type of clothing, colors, etc. Clothing creates a certain energy that we wear. So when a person's wearing clothing, it's besides the fact it's for modest reasons, but also gives you a certain self-esteem, it gives you a certain uh, mood that you're in. Like for example, if you're going out to work in the yard, you wear a certain type of clothing. If you're going to work in the office, it's a different type of clothing. If you're going out for a nice dinner, it's a different type of clothing. Why? Because the clothing has, a, has, has an effect on you. So what happens like this, so therefore, so again, we spoke about the food and drink that gives you energy. Clothing gives us energy. You live in a house, the house has an impact on you. Depending on the colors, the shapes, the size, where, where, the house has an impact on you. So that's all connected, connecting to you. You're the driver. Think that you have a car, you're the driver and you have a car. And in the car you have passengers and you have baggage. So when you're driving, what are you taking with you? Not just yourself, everyone in the car. So the same thing also, as a person lives, what's living within you? Your food, your drink, your clothing, your house, your whole environment around you. Now, so what happens like this. When we go pray, who's going to pray? Just me? Or I left the food and the drink somewhere else? You ever see anyone finish a meal and they leave the food and drink there? The part they consume, it's impossible. So when you come to pray, it's not only like you, you with all your baggage. Food, drink, clothing, the impact, you know, the, your mindset based on your uh, ho home, friends, etc. So when you're coming to pray, you're not only elevating your own, your own nitsutsot, your own sparks. You're actually elevating all the sparks from everything that you consume, that you're involved in. Now, as your love for Hashem is built in the prayer service, now you start elevating all the sparks. Because if you're lacking the love, what happens to all the what happens to everything you ate and drank, and your clothing and everything? It sits there. It's not moving. <coughs> it's like you have a car, nice car, right? And you don't put the engine on, and you sit there for two hours. Are you going to move anywhere? No, you're not going anywhere. You need the engine to be on. So the love is what, what fuels the engine to keep on moving. So in other words, like this, the author is saying we have big responsibility. We have ourself, we have to elevate. We have our food, we have a drink, we have a clothing, we have our environment, our family, our house, whatever, business, everything we have to elevate. The way to elevate it is when you come to shul to pray, and you pray slowly, and you pray with kavanah, and you develop the love for Hashem. So now when you start loving Hashem, what do you take with you? Everything you consumed and everything you're involved in. So that's called biru nitzutot. You're elevating the holy sparks. Now, so the author asks a simple question. How come in the past people didn't pray for that long? They prayed slowly, but they didn't pray as long as people pray today or should pray today. So the author explains that... Um, in the past, they prayed, no question asked. But because their, their soul was on a much higher level, they were able to accomplish things much quicker than we accomplish it today. 
they had much more clarity. So when they walked in and they said the Pesukah the Zimra and they said the blessing before Shema, it's almost like different than someone hearing and seeing. You hear, okay, it's hearsay. When you see it, you see it. And when you see it, it's much, much quicker and much, it goes much faster. So the Atra says it, and obviously in the times in the Mishnah and the Talmud, they saw it. And because they saw it, obviously the process was much quicker and much greater. But obviously in, in, the, in the generation we're living in today, we have to pray slowly, we have to have the proper kavanot, and by praying slowly with the proper kavanot, we'll have the power to go ahead and elevate all the, all the beautiful things in this world. So again, as you see, this chapter, chapter 8, in the last section of Tani is a very, very important chapter because it really shows you the importance of praying slowly, leisurely, with proper kavanot to create love for Hashem. Because when you create the love for Hashem, so first of all, you're giving yourself life. And you're giving, not only life, you're giving long life. That's point number one, which is a very, very important point. Number two is by praying slowly, you create love, and therefore you're fulfilling the biblical <laughs> commandment to be able to love Hashem. And thirdly, that by pray, praying slowly, we create the love, and through creating the love, we're able to elevate the holy sparks in this world, and as we elevate the holy sparks, we make the world a, 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 a more beautiful place, and we make the world more ready for Mashiach. And what's, what, what greater gift can we ask for? Mm. Making the world ready for Mashiach by our praying, and by creating love in our life, and the biggest gift is, well, we, we're in love with Hashem. And when you're in love with Hashem, life is really full of love and kindness. Thank you, Rabbi.